my gosh, hi! Welcome to the very first episode of the Tipsy Traveler podcast. Today we're going to be talking about how I made it to all seven continents, yes, even Antarctica, before I turned 25. So it should be a really fun time. I think, though, we're gonna start with kind of who I am and what this podcast is going to be, not just today, but over time because I really want you guys to get a good sense of why you should be listening and not just listen to this episode and then give up on it, because I promise that this is not going to be the most interesting thing that I will talk about. So let's get going. Who am I? My name is Rachel Lucas. I own Greenhouse Photo & Co., which is a wedding photo and video company in Seattle, Washington. Now, I promise I am not going to be talking about weddings. That is not what this podcast is about. I might bring up every once in a while photography or photography tips as it pertains to travel. For instance, I'm kind of thinking about doing an episode about how to photograph a city well as a tourist. So something along the lines of that. But overall, other than me mentioning that it's what I do for a living, you're not going to hear me talk about weddings or wedding photography because it's really just not on point not on brand, not <laughs> not the point of the podcast. So what is the point of this podcast? Well, today the point is to discuss how I made it to each individual continent and also to kind of introduce you into the idea of cocktails as part of the podcast itself. I'm really excited to get started, so let's go. So I guess the next thing I want to share with you guys are like my travel credentials because it goes way above and beyond the fact that I've been to all seven continents. My love for travel started very, very young because my parents were divorced and they lived in two different places. So I was getting put on planes as an unaccompanied minor by the time I was three. So plane life, airport life, all of that stuff was just normal. And I never really thought too much about not traveling, (laughs) if I'm being honest, because it was just how my life was. And since then, I've been so lucky to make it to all seven continents, as well as I think 43 countries and 35 states. And so travel for me isn't just like, oh, I like to travel. It's no, I am the travel girl. (laughs) Like all of my friends would agree that that is the thing that I do through and through. That is one of the biggest reasons I got into wedding photography to begin with was because I wanted to be a journalist think like Nat Geo, (laughs) traveling the world, waiting for leopards to come out of their hiding places to get pictures and then writing stories about them. That's what I thought I wanted to do. And so I went that route, got my master's in new media journalism and thought, this is it. This is what I want to accomplish. And then I realized that having a boss is no fun, (laughs) to put it lightly. Mostly just like editors tearing apart all of my stories or applying and applying and applying and applying to be a freelancer or to have a a full-time job, a full-time gig with a publication was just not the route for me. And so I started my own gig with photography and had no clue where it was going to go. And after I did my first wedding, I was just kind of hooked. I was sold. So travel is kind of the driving force in a lot of the things that I do. And even with wedding photography, it's something that is maintained because I can travel for weddings. But overall, I think that I'm really good and I really enjoy planning trips as well as going on trips. So all of the little logistics that go into figuring out how, when, and where to go has really been a driving force of who I am. 
So that's a little bit about me, kind of where I got started with traveling, where I got started in life. And yeah, if I already know you, then a lot of this is probably not super interesting because it's repetitive. But if I don't know you, then hopefully it gives you a little glimpse into who's speaking behind the screen. So the next thing that I would love to talk to you about is what this podcast is going to be. It's going to be a really great time to make cocktails and listen to some fun stories. Um, And if you've been to the places that I've been to or that I'm talking about, it'll be a great time to reminisce and maybe share some of your own stories with your friends and family afterwards. Or if you haven't, then hopefully it gives you a small glimpse into these places that I'm talking about. But cocktails are going to be kind of interwoven into this podcast. So at the beginning or the end of every episode, I'm going to give you a cocktail recipe. I'm just going to kind of walk you through um, a cocktail either that I made up or that my boyfriend made up or that we frequent or that we found on the internet or that pertains to (laughs) the location that I'm talking about that day. It'll be relevant somehow. And I'll explain on a case-by-case basis like why I think this cocktail is relevant. So I guess the next thing to do would be to bring on my boyfriend and have him tell you about one of the two cocktails we have this week because this week we have two. We're actually going to ask you to choose your favorite. So I'll bring him on and he can explain the cocktail that he made up. This is completely his. Um, He did want me to say that he did not name it. I actually named it but I think it was like the name is the best part. So um, (laughs) he'll argue with me about that. I'm sure he'll have something to say about it, but let's hear what he has to say. So the first cocktail was made by my boyfriend, Brian, and he is by no means an expert bartender, but not even a little bit. I would say that he has a deep knowledge of alcohol. (laughs) I don't know if I would accept that. So either way, this is Brian. He's going to tell you about our first cocktail. So hop in. So this drink I didn't, I made it up not as a cocktail. I just made it as like, I don't drink coffee in the morning, but I wanted something to drink. And so I made this after I watched Alex Delaney make something similar. Who's who's the drinks editor for Bon Appetit magazine. So the drink is uh, orange juice based. So I always like the process of like actually squeezing oranges into juice when I make the drink. Totally don't have to. That's super unnecessary and bougie. But I feel like it makes it more fun. So you put orange juice at the bottom of your glass, fill it with ice. And then I pour soda water in. I kind of just eyeball it in whatever glass I'm making it in. And then... The third ingredient, final ingredient, is tart cherry juice, which you kind of pour over the top, and it has this cool cascading effect that, like, I think it looks super cool. It's, like, half the reason I like it. Um, and then that's usually where I'll just stop, but that doesn't make it a cocktail. So <laughs> Rachel's making me add alcohol to this drink. So Wait. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what's happening. What I agreed to add was gin, <laughs> which I think would work actually pretty well with it because it's kind of got some floral fruitiness to it. And I don't really like vodka or, or tequila, which are maybe other liquors that would go into the drink. That's my drink is first grade orange juice, soda water, tart cherry juice, and gin. And we're calling it the cherry blossom. Yeah, Rachel named that because there's <laughs> it's like orange based. And there is an orange blossom drink, which is basically what I made, but 
we're adding I'm adding cherry juice to it so it's the cherry blossom yeah. notice how many things he tries to pin on me when all I'm doing is helping yeah <laughs> Well, thank you, and thanks for sharing. Are you going to stay? Hey, thanks for having me, Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) And then our second cocktail, the one that I made up, which I don't even remember why I made it up, other than it was just a bunch of ingredients that we tend to have on hand. You do? It's because we bought the liquor for this for some random drink we made like two years ago, and we wanted to just use it, and so you just started making things. Yeah. Okay, so we bought peach vodka which neither one of us are really big vodka people but we bought peach vodka for like one specific cocktail and obviously didn't use much of it and then it sat there for like a year and so I started thinking like what can I make with peach vodka that would be palatable and so all it is is peach vodka simple syrup which is really easy to make at home you don't have to buy it it's just sugar and water so like don't waste your money and buy it lime juice and then I top it with soda water so it's really really easy and again like we have everything on hand pretty regularly other than peach vodka and I call it the desperate housewife because it's fruity and sweet (laughs) and it reminds me of if I were a desperate housewife which I am none of those things but if I were this is what I would want to sit around drinking all day like waiting for my husband to get home so I could be like upset about nothing isn't that what desperate housewives do I mean, it's basically like a Bellini, but instead of champagne, you're using soda water. So Yeah, so... It's pretty close. Yeah. Anyway, so those are the two cocktails. At the very end, we're going to have like a competition. There'll be like a little form or whatever to submit which one you think is better. And we'll see who the real winner is. Because I have a feeling that... It's this guy! Okay, but this podcast is not just about drinks. So the reason why we picked these two drinks is because it was a good place to start. And another good place to start, I thought, would be how I made it to all seven continents. So that is what I'm going to be talking about now. So I think it's important to note that I made this goal of making it to all the continents when I was in high school. I think I was probably like 15. It would have been my like sophomore year of high school. And it's not like at that time I had done a lot of traveling and I thought like, oh yeah, in the next 10 years I can accomplish something. I think it was like some class or other had us thinking about college or what we wanted to do in the future and all I could think about was traveling. (laughs) And so... I think, oh, oh, here's exactly what it was. They had us write letters to our future selves with a list of goals or like things that we wanted to accomplish. And literally the only thing I could think of was I wanted to make it to all seven continents. And I like couldn't think of any career goals. I couldn't think of like if I wanted to be married or have kids or have a house. Like I just wanted to travel. So I set this goal and I remember the first few times like when people are like, oh, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or like, blah, 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 blah. You know, those normal questions that they ask you when you're getting ready to go to college. And I would look them dead in the face and be like, I'm going to go to all seven continents. And they'd be like, what? (laughs) Especially when I was 15, 16. At that point, I hadn't even really left the country. I think I'd been to Canada. I might have been to Mexico, but definitely not to any other continents. So... It was 
I would say (laughs) I was dreaming big, (laughs) which is pretty on par for me, I guess. I kind of set goals and then figure out the logistics of them later, just like this podcast. (laughs) I think it was really my first trip to another continent. I went to Europe and actually I'll be talking about this in depth next week and why it mattered so much and how it actually set me up to plan trips for the future. But it was that first trip and getting back and feeling like there's this whole world out there where people live their lives, go to school, go to their jobs, like do everyday life things and it has nothing to do with me. And like that feeling for whatever reason really resonated in me of like, there's so much to explore. There's so much untouched for me. You know, like obviously there's not a ton of the world that's untouched, but there's a lot of it that's untouched by me. You know that feeling when your older sibling is like, okay, so you can't do this and this and this because you're too small. That's how I felt when I went on my first international trip. I have an older brother, if you can't tell. (laughs) It sparked something within me that was like, oh, not only is this whole big wide world out there and you've gotten a taste of it, but now because you're young, now because you're broke, now because you're a woman, it's not really a thing you can do, especially not on your own. And so I took that as the biggest like bet, (laughs) like bet you won't. And I was like, um, so this is a thing I'm doing now, I guess. But even before I went to Europe, it was a goal of mine. It just like really sparked when I first left. So I guess overall my how to make it to all seven continents would just be persistence um, with a lot of luck and other things. Um, and I'll kind of walk you through some of those things over time. But overall persistence was the thing that got me there as well as many other places in my life. I set a goal, a lofty goal, that actually was laughable at the time because I was 15 and I had traveled almost nowhere outside of the U.S. And to think about making it to Europe and to Africa and to Asia and to North or to South America and to Oceania and to Antarctica at that point in my life, it was astronomical. Like, it was a joke. It wasn't a joke to me, but to anyone I mentioned it to, it was. So... I know like this is probably the most cheesy thing in the world to say, but like if you set this goal, if you have this dream, the idea of not letting it go, and even if you don't get there by 25 or by 30 or by whatever age, even if you accomplish it at any point in your life, like it's worth it. Like it's that persistence will pay for itself. But as I mentioned, a lot of how this came about was a dream and a lot of persistence, and then it kind of followed through with some luck. So my very first trip, which again, I'm going to be speaking about next week, was to Europe, and it was with my dad and some of my friends. I was still in high school, and that trip really sparked a lot in me. And then that that same year, I actually went back to Europe for a leadership conference, because when I decided that I was going to travel, even at 15 years old, I started looking into any and every program that would let me travel, that would get me out out of the U.S. in some capacity. And so I went to a leadership conference um, when I was 15 and it was in Orlando. And the year after that, it was in D.C. And then the following year, it was in Europe. And so I got to go for a second time in, what was that, 2011. And I don't say all that to say like, oh, look at me, like I'm this 16-year-old who gets to travel the world and blah, 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 blah. No, that's not it at all. That trip, that 
leadership summit that I went to in high school was something that I got a sponsorship to, like essentially a scholarship. So it's not like my family was just flying me off to Europe multiple times a year. I worked really hard for it and it was a conference. Like it wasn't just fun, happy playtime. From there, after I finished high school, actually even still during high school, I was able to go to Italy for the first time, which if you know me at all, I'm obsessed with Italy. I just feel very, very connected to that country and actually ended up living there for um, a few months later on, which I will talk about (laughs) in another episode because I could seriously talk about Italy for five hours and not get tired of it. And then my sophomore year of college, I had a roommate whose family moved to South Korea. Her father was in the military and they were stationed there. And so one day she was like, hey, would you want to come home with me to South Korea for Christmas, like for our winter break? And I was like, uh, yeah, absolutely. And she asked me like, oh, wait, but like it's Christmas, like it's the holidays. Do you think your family's going to be okay with it? And I was like, they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. (laughs) So that year in 2013, I was able to go to South Korea, to Asia for the first time. And it was life-changing. I never felt so out of place before in my entire life in such an amazing way. It was also a very clear reminder that I don't belong everywhere and that's a great thing. I also remember very clearly how different going to Asia was than going to Europe because for many reasons, obviously. Um, But one of the biggest was that when I got to Europe, a lot of the street signs and a lot of the menus, a lot of places had things translated into English or a lot of people spoke English. When I got to South Korea, a lot of the street signs or menus or things like that were not translated, though some were because the Olympics were held there and so definitely the public transportation and the bigger things um, were had an English translation, which was very helpful. But it definitely made me feel more out of place, which I actually very much enjoyed. (laughs) Yeah, it was a really great first experience into into Asia, which is obviously very vast and holds a lot of different kinds of culture. So that would have been my third continent, technically. I count North America because I grew up here, (laughs) but I also have been able to explore some of North America. And from there, um, about halfway through college, I decided to move from Mobile, Alabama, which is where I spent my first two years of college playing volleyball. Not that that matters at all. But I went from there and decided to transfer to University of Washington, which is back in Seattle. And in between, I had about five months of summer. So University of Mobile finished early May and University of Washington did not start until the end of September. (laughs) So I had all of this time and I actually accepted an internship in Kenya in Nairobi. So I was able to spend about three months in Kenya, as well as I went to Alaska that summer. Oh, I went on a cruise. We went on a transatlantic cruise from Florida over to Barcelona. It was just like chock full of travel. But Kenya was my first experience in Africa. And it was really cool because I got to live with people who were Kenyan. Um, So I didn't just stay in like a fancy hotel or resort or anything like that. I stayed in an apartment with um, my host mom and dad (laughs) while I did my internship. And I worked at a school and it was for a really amazing company that I loved because instead of going in and saying like, hey, we're here to help. Here's what we're going to do. They came in and said, hey, we're here to help. What would you like us to do? Like what, what areas do you need assistance in? And like, how can we help 
which I really appreciate as far as global aid and things like that is not just showing up with a plan to fix things, showing up and saying, okay, okay, like where are you at? And like, how can we help that? How, how can we help you grow or like achieve the goals that you have? Anyway, soapbox. <laughs> so at that point I was sitting at four continents and I was maybe 20 years old. After that, my one of my bigger goals was to get to South America. So after I graduated college, I really had no direction for what I wanted to do. I was super, super unsure. So I was working a retail job and up and decided one day that I was going to go to Peru. I had a friend down there, his name's Nick. I'm sure that he'll come on here as a guest speaker when I talk about Peru. I bought a ticket to Peru 10 days before I left. (laughs) So it was July 4th that I bought my ticket. And on July 10th, I was flying down to LA with some friends. And July 14th, I flew down to Peru. So Realistically, I guess it was six days before I left because I didn't come home in between LA and Peru. And I think the most shocking thing about this trip was that I bought a one-way ticket. <laughs> I I think I spent like $200 on it and I really had no clue when I was going to be coming back because I didn't know where I was going to land in the job hunt or if I wanted to get a job, if how long I could sustain traveling with the money that I had. So I went to Peru and just figured it out day by day and actually ended up spending about four months down there. I think it was actually closer to three and a half and ended up coming back for a friend of mine who was getting married. I couldn't miss her wedding. (laughs) But during that time, we did a lot of really cool things, which I will have a Peru episode for sure. But that was my first time in South America. So that would have been, I would have been about 22. And then from there, I still had Australia and Antarctica left. Australia happened about a year after that. So I would have been 23, maybe 24. I backpacked Southeast Asia by myself and then flew down to Australia for about 10 days and I met up with a friend of mine. Her name's Una. She was also just arriving in Australia, but she was not spending 10 days there. She was spending a full year there. So I'm sure that she would love to share some of her experiences. Whenever I talk more about Australia, I will definitely bring her on to see if she can kind of talk more about it because my knowledge is 10 days and her knowledge is 365. So as I was preparing for this month-long trip to Southeast Asia and Australia that I just mentioned, I was on Facebook and I came across a group called Girls Love Travel travel. And it's actually free and like available to anyone. So if you're a woman who enjoys traveling, you should go join. It's actually a really great resource. So I stumbled upon this and they were putting together an Antarctica trip and it actually fell in time with when I was planning on going. And so I hopped on their trip and So two weeks before I left for Southeast Asia and Australia for a month-long trip of backpacking by myself that I had very particularly budgeted out, um, (laughs) I found out that I wanted to put down a 20% deposit on a trip to Antarctica, which would have been thousands of dollars because Antarctica is very expensive. And so I freaked out because I had to go. Like I knew that that trip would be my last winter. So essentially, you can only go to Antarctica in the winter, our winter, because it's their summer. They don't really allow tourists in the winter in their winter because it would be horrible and hard to get to and dark and miserable. So I knew this was going to be my last Antarctica summer before I turned 25. So I had to make this trip happen. So I called my boyfriend Brian over and I said, hey, I need to put down, I think it was like $1,700 on this trip 
can you come over and like review my finances because he works in finance and just see if I can afford it because I need to put it down today and I leave in like 10 days, two weeks, something like that for this trip to Southeast Asia. Can I afford both? Do I have to choose between? Cause like, I don't want to have to. And so he came over and I literally could afford it within like $20 while also paying my rent and like other necessities. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to eat out for the rest of this year. I'm, I'm going to do it. Like I just have to. And so I put down that money and then slowly made payments. So I think that was my saving grace as far as being able to afford Antarctica was that I had a payment plan. Just to like give you an idea, the boat ticket alone from the bottom of Argentina to Antarctica, just the boat ticket was $7,700. I was, I just started my photography company. I was nannying part-time, maybe full-time. I don't remember at that point. I think it was part-time. And I really didn't have a ton of money, but definitely not $7,700 <laughs> laying around. So the fact that I was able to do a payment plan on my Antarctica trip was like the reason I could go. So if you're thinking about going to Antarctica and that's something that you want to do, a payment plan is the way to go. Unless, I mean, of course, obviously, if you have $8,000 laying around, like buy it a friend who cares but <laughs> if you're just a normal everyday person and you think you want to go to Antarctica that's the way to do it is find a place some kind of company that would let you do a payment plan and so from there it was just planning Antarctica and figuring out what jacket do I need so I don't die and I'm not a cold weather person so I had nothing so I just rated REI every couple months every time they had a big sale I would just go in and try and find the warmest things I could and did a little research but if I'm being honest I was not as prepared as I probably should have been so that's kind of how I made it to all seven continents slowly over time with a lot of persistence and a lot of luck I really truly believe that if you set something as a priority, you can make it happen. So I'm not the kind of person who buys a ton of clothes or buys a lot of makeup or or spends my money on things that don't have to do with travel. Almost everything that I spend money on is something to do with social event. So alcohol or food or tickets to a show that I'm going to with my boyfriend or with friends or travel, plane tickets, hotel reservations, you name it. So at the end of the day, it's just prioritizing and budgeting. I will probably do an entire podcast episode just about budgeting because budgeting a trip is super fun. I think so, at least. So I know that a lot of you are probably itching to hear more about Antarctica, and don't worry, I have multiple episodes in line to discuss it fully, to tell more stories. I will be bringing on guest speakers to share the some of the girls who are with me have their own perspectives and own stories from that trip. But of course, in the meantime, if you have questions, feel free to reach out via the website and ask away. The last thing that I want to talk to you guys about today is a giveaway. Woo! So, as I mentioned, we have two cocktails this week that I hope you guys try. The recipes and the exact calculations for like how much of each ingredient aka the recipe, <laughs> is up on my website, The Tipsy Traveler, and I will have that linked as well on the notes of this podcast. 
So definitely try the cocktails before you vote so that you can give us an informed decision of which one is better. But I'm doing a giveaway. So I'm going to be giving away a little tipsy traveler kit, which you can see all that's included in that on my website again. And all you have to do to enter is vote on your favorite cocktail and subscribe to our podcast. Both free things. (laughs) Very free to do. And once you do those two things, you'll be entered to win. It's one entry per person. And again, completely free to enter. So you might as well. And share with your friends. Anyone is allowed to enter. It's a non-alcoholic tipsy traveler kit. So don't worry if you are 18, (laughs) 19, or 20, like you can still enter. But other than that, thank you so much for tuning into the very first podcast. Um, I hope that you guys stick around and continue to listen. Next week is going to be all about my very first international trip. I will talk to you about how that happened, how we planned it, and kind of what was all included and maybe some fun stories along the way. In the meantime, now is not a good time to travel just as a public safety announcement. Continue to stay at home for now. You can dream and plan trips for next year and when things get back to normal, I can't wait to see where you guys go.